Today, for the first of three specials to celebrate the 50th episode of Talk To Me, I'm joined by our biggest and greatest star-studded lineup ever. We've got heroes Greg Grunberg, Agent Carter's Ember Jokai, Harry Potter's Natalia Tina, Back to the Future's Claudia Wells, and Teen Wolf's Ian Bowen. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Benjamin Mayhem McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and I'm very excited to have five very special guests on the show today. Uh, yesterday in Adelaide was the Supernova Convention, and thanks to the lovely guys there, I got to talk with five fantastic stars. We've got Heroes star Greg Grunberg, who's also been in Star Wars and Star Trek, and has just signed on for a guest stint in The Flash. Agent Carter's Ember Jokai, who was also in Dollhouse. Uh, Natalia Tina, who was in Harry Potter as Tonks and has also recently appeared in Game of Thrones. And the original Jennifer from Back to the Future, Claudia Wells, as well as one of the stars of the upcoming final season of Teen Wolf, Ian Bowen. Now, these were all recorded on the, uh, the convention floor, so there's a lot more background noise than we normally have on an episode of Talk To Me. But if you can bear with us, with that, we've tried to eliminate as much as possible, but sadly, some noises are just too loud. But you can still hear myself and the guest quite clearly. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's very special episode of Talk To Me. Enjoy. So, firstly, what inspired you to pursue a career in the performing arts? Um, you know, it's pretty simple. When I was a kid, I liked to pretend, and I loved movies, and when I realized that the people in the, in the films that I was watching weren't actually doing the things that I was seeing, I understood what acting was, that you could have a job where you got to go and make believe. And that, when I realized that, I thought, that's, that's for me, I want to I pretend. And obviously you're probably best known for Teen Wolf. Mm -hmm. What's it like filming that show? Um, it's great fun. I, you know, the cast is basically in love with each other and we love to work together and to be on set together and to play. So, you know, it's, it's fun. We, we absolutely adore going to work. We get to do incredible things. We have action and fight scenes and we're in great locations. So it's always different. You never get bored. And, uh, yeah, it's just great fun. So you mentioned the actions, action fight sequences mm -hmm. and things like that. That means you're working with a lot of CGI. Does that make your job as an actor harder when you're pretending a lot more than you already are? Uh, it's, you know, sometimes. CGI is not terribly difficult. We, don't, we do use it a lot, but most of the time there's somebody practical in the scene with you so you have a connection with the other actor. And the, the CGI background is really just that. It's, it's background. Um, so, it's, I would say it's, it's equally as hard and as easy as it is without Sure, and you were last seen on the show in season four. Yes. You're returning for the final season. Yes. Was there any ever doubt that you'd return when they offered? When, um, no, because I wanted to, to finish the character and to complete his storyline within the, you know, the town and with all the other characters, so I wanted to see that finished. So that was no question. And has it been emotional filming those last... Not yet, because we still have ten more to go. Ten more to go? So as we get closer, that will begin to creep in, and then we'll at, at the last night will be a big deal. So what can fans expect then from season six? You can expect uh, a lot of shocking scenes. Um, probably a little bit of heartbreak. 
uh, some terror, some sadness, and then hopefully some closure. And finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? I would say the most important is to not quit because uh, it's really attrition and if you stick at it long enough and learn and continue to output any kind of art of any kind, uh, you will get better and better and better and eventually you will succeed. Well, thank you very much for your time and I hope you enjoy your stay in Australia. My pleasure. That was my chat with the lovely Ian Bowen. Next up is the beautiful Claudia Wells, and we took all things Back to the Future. Enjoy! Well, uh, lots of people know you from your work on Back to the Future. When you first working on it, did you ever imagine that 30 years later we'd be here talking about moving? Never for a million years. Never for a million years. I feel so incredibly blessed and grateful every single day for the fact that I got to be in that movie. Especially with all of the almost, because I got the part and then back to, and then uh, off the rack with Ed Asner and Eileen Brennan, a pilot I did for ABC got picked up. So because it was at the same time as the filming of Jennifer Parker and Back to the Future, and ABC wasn't willing to share me with Steven Spielberg's company, I had to actually back out of doing Back to the Future. And that was when Eric Stoltz was cast. So they recast my role with a different actress. And I did my series, Off the Rack. And then Eric Stoltz was let go, which for the first 20, 25 years was a big secret. No one said a word about it. Michael was cast. And then it turned out that the girl that they had cast in my part was 5'7". And because of my height, I got my part back. So the fact that I even got to play Jennifer, let alone be cast in it twice, it just is fate. It's so meant to be. And it, it's incredible. And 31 years later, I'm here in Adelaide, and last week in Brisbane, and I have beautiful, loving, supportive, kind fans all over the world that are part of my daily existence. So what do you enjoy most about conventions and meeting the fans? What I enjoy the absolute most is being able to make a difference in someone's life. I mean, I think about people who have taken time off work and, you know, one guy drove 18 hours once and took two days off work, hard work, to come and meet me. And it was just extraordinary. Or today, Barry, who phoned me yesterday when I did a radio show and his brother Jack were here and Barry has difficulty walking and difficulty in... Um, he's in a wheelchair and he has difficulty uh, with hand coordination and he drew me a picture of me with uh, Doc Brown and Marty, and it's beautiful, and he wrote me a letter and brought it to me, and his father started crying, and we just had this beautiful time together with him and Jack, and times like that that I know I can truly affect someone's life, that's why I am more than happy to come halfway across the world, or all the way across the world to come to these shows. Yeah, so obviously moments like that are never guaranteed when you make movies. You, know, you can never know that you affect somebody's life. Right. So why did you get into the performing arts? I've always wanted to be an actress. I, I was born to be an actress. I just knew, as soon as I knew how to think and speak, I knew that this was what I wanted to do with my life. And an interesting twist and turn of life that I have my men's store, Armani Wells, in Studio City, which will be 25 years old next month. Congratulations. Thank you. It just blows my mind. That was a complete uh, surprise to me. 
But acting and my career was never a surprise to me. It was something I knew since I was a tiny little girl. It was a passion I always had in my heart. And uh, I'm a people person. So anything that involves communication with people or a love that's combined with someone, a way of bringing out the best in someone else or affecting someone's heart and having their heart affect mine is what gives me energy for the day. I've just always been like that. And what would be your favorite memory from filming Back to the Future? You know, there was a time that I was sitting in the garage, sitting in a folding chair next to Christopher Lloyd, Jack, uh, uh, Doc Brown, and he was so shy and so quiet. And he, had, he was sitting down because he had recently hurt his knee. And I just think that quiet solitude of peace and comfort together, just, you know, the peace amid, amidst the storm, that was one of my favorite parts of it. You know, just that quiet moment with somebody. And then also when I would be sitting with Michael in the BMW in the driveway, and he'd be playing this cool music in the radio of the BMW, and it was music I really didn't hear at home because I was raised on opera and symphony and Simon and Garfunkel and Elton John. So I'm listening to this cool music with this cool guy, and I'm this very shy girl. So those were two high points in terms of moments that I remember. Also, when I would walk with Michael J. Fox, um, he always had his hand in my back pocket. And I always, that was like my dream come true of how a girlfriend and a boyfriend would walk together. Because I didn't have a, a real boyfriend in high school where I could walk down the hallway in high school and be like the cool girl. So I'd always sort of fantasize about what that would be like and I got to experience that on set. I mean, what what better than to be able to experience that? Right? There. right? Exactly. So I'm just, out of anything I ever could have done, any part I ever could have gotten, that I got to be Jennifer and, and have the everlasting daily joy of having been Jennifer still being a part of my daily life now. Plus, can you imagine the cool mom points I get? Think about it. My son is about to be 22, and when he was in high school, his friends would show up at some of my autograph shows in LA and then go to school and tell him how cool his mom was. I'm all about cool winning. (laughs) Cool mom points all the way. You can't buy that. You cannot buy that. So We do have to let you go. But finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performing arts? I would say go with the passion of your heart. I would say trust your own instincts. And I would say, even though it's a very subjective business, um, don't take any rejection personally, as impossibly hard as that is to do, to remember that you're born for a great purpose, that God loves you, and that you're excellent because God says so, not because people say so. That people's opinions about you really are not what's important. What's important is that God says you're perfectly and beautifully made, and nobody's opinion can change that period, including your own. And I would say, look in the mirror every single day and say to your reflection, you are a masterpiece of God. Because the truth is, it takes more, uh, the the greatest computer in the entire world cannot compete with what it takes just for the eyeball to be able to see. 
So you truly are a masterpiece of God because nobody can do this by themselves. So you're telling the truth when you look in the reflection every day at yourself and you say to yourself, I am a masterpiece of God. Thank you very much for your time today, and I hope you enjoy your stay in Adelaide. Thank you so much. That was the lovely Claudia Wells, and you can follow her on Twitter at TheClaudiaWells, and like her on Facebook, Claudia Wells Actress. Next up is my chat with Greg Grunberg from Star Wars, Star Trek, and Heroes. Here's that one. Enjoy. Firstly, what inspired you to work in the performing arts? Oh, that's a good question. I think just the idea of gaining a reaction out of anybody. You know, it's like you start off in school and you just want to goof off and have fun, and then you suddenly get a reaction, and then you can pretend to be something. I mean, I'm, I, I, I pretend for a living. I find myself in an X-wing as a, you know, in Star Wars, with, working with my best friend for a living. It's ridiculous. But I started off just, you know, wanting to do that, and then. It's a very scary thing to say, okay, I'm gonna take this leap and actually do it. And a lot of times we use excuses like, oh, I gotta get this part of my life together, this part. That's something that, if you have a passion for anything, do it. Everything else will fall in line. If you're loving what you're doing, I mean, look at you. So you have this massive podcast, you love doing it. You love meeting people. And it's gonna work, you're gonna have success if you're good at it and you're passionate about it. So I, that, that was with me, I was like, I'm not gonna slow down. And then it didn't hurt that all the people I had worked with went off to do huge successful things and then they want to work together. Never hurts. Yes, never hurts. <laughs> so you mentioned Star Wars, you yeah. were in The Force Awakens. What was the secrecy like working on perhaps one of the biggest film projects in the last 20 years? Well, okay, so J.J. Abrams, the writer, director, producer, my best friend. You would think that he would give me a clue as far as what I'm doing ahead of time. No. I mean, this is the thing where it's like, you know in the movies when they go, trust no one. That's basically, that was the motto and the mantra for this movie. We got on set, and the day you get to set, they give you the pages for that day. I don't care if you have a monologue, I don't care if you're Carrie Fisher. Carrie got things the last day. Everybody got things the last minute. Harrison, I mean, they're all such pros, but for me it was very daunting. I was like, wait a minute, I, I need to study the night before. And so it was very top secret. It was all done on red paper that can't be you know, fo uh, photographed. And, and for good reason, man, JJ and um, Kathy Kennedy, they're brilliant because the, your imagination is going to be crazy anyway. Hold that secret as long as you can. Don't let people inside the magic box, the secret box, until you know the actual film is made. So it was cool. And also, no one knew I was in the movie. A lot of people went to the movie and they saw me. And I have a small part in the movie, but it's still cool. And JJ, same thing. He was like, let's not tell anybody. Let's make it a surprise. So it was very, it was secrecy all around. Is, is more Star Wars something you're likely to do in the future? Would you be back I don't, to Star Wars? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Uh, more Star Wars, is that? Yeah, again, I, I can't hear you. I just ah, couldn't hear you. It's, it's yeah. weird. It's, like all it's of a funny, sudden, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. funny. That certain questions just get through. Can't, can't. Now, you've done both Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah. Favorite? That's tough. Um, both with JJ. Mm. Uh, it's always working with my best friend is my favorite. I have to say Star Wars, just because I was more of a Star Wars guy growing up. Mm -hmm. Love both franchises, but I wasn't a Trekkie. I love Trek, I love the movies, I love the original series. Um, but yeah, Star Wars for me, standing there on, you know, the, walking on the Millennium Falcon and, and actually being, you know, playing a character, Snap Wexley. I mean, it just doesn't get any cooler than that. X-Wing fighter, come on. <laughs> Certainly doesn't get cooler than that. Yeah. But your TV series Heroes was hugely successful. Yes. When you got cast, did you think that it would become as popular as it did? You know, it was, it was uh, interesting. A lot of the shows today, I think, 
were able to be successful because of a show like Heroes. That opened the door for a lot of this genre stuff that's happening. A lot of the stuff is a lot better than what we did, even though I loved Heroes so much. Um, Tim Kring is a genius. The writers on that, Brian Fuller and, and Jesse Alexander and, and, and Jeff Loeb, who's running Marvel TV now. There were such incredible people running that show. I, I had a feeling that we had, we were onto something great, and the reaction, it was a rocket. I mean, that thing was huge all over the world. So. Yeah, it was. I had I had an idea that it could be, but you never know if the audience is going to respond to it. We certainly had enough characters that if you didn't like one, you were certainly going to like another one. And there was an international cast, diverse cast, so it was very cool like that. And it gave me the opportunity to do things like this and also be a, a value to a franchise like Star Trek, Star Wars. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Flash right now that just got announced yesterday. Big announcement. I'm, I'm you know recurring on that show, and that it, I love it. I love being able to do these shows. Well, let's just talk briefly. What can you tell us about The Flash and your role on that? Um, so Kevin Smith, who I do a talk show with called uh, Geeking Out in the States, it's on AMC, he was directing an episode. Goes up to direct it in Canada, and they said, hey, we really like your show, and Greg, is, we're a fan of Greg's, and it was a role, and they said, do you think Greg would do it? And, and he called down to me and said, hey, you're doing this thing. And he didn't even ask, because that show is the coolest show on TV right now. He's like, do you want to do this thing? I know you do. I said, yes, I trust you. There were two roles, and he said, one is recurring. I said, that's all you have to say. If I can be on a show like that and do it again and again. So uh, I play a, um, a detective, uh, Patterson, mm -hmm. and I'm working with Jesse L. Martin, amazing, Great. Grant Gustin. I mean, these, these, the cast is just incredible. Um, really having a great time, to be honest. I've only I've shot two episodes. They wouldn't let me. It was very secretive. Yesterday, because this week coming up Tuesday is my first episode. And they, they announced me as a badass recurring character. So they have plans for me. I don't even know what those plans are. I have a hint of it. But, but uh, I, I want to be surprised like everybody else. And I'm trying to make him as interesting as possible. And I, it's, so far, I'm having a blast. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. Now, you've done a lot of franchises. Is there anything different about working on a, a big show like The Flash or Heroes or Star Trek or Star Wars compared to doing a smaller project? You know, it's funny. It's all up to the audience. Like, I did a movie, I did a movie called Big Ass Spider. Mm. And that was huge. This, this cult classic, you know, it was on sci-fi. It ran forever. Um, and that was a tiny little sci-fi movie that got a huge reaction. You know, it doesn't have a built-in audience like Star Wars or Star Trek. I like both. I mean, if, if the character is interesting enough and I can steal it and really run away with it and have fun with it, I'll do it. I don't care. Because um, you never know. You never know what's going to play, what's going to get reaction. This audience is very loyal and very fickle, you know, so... I do, have, I do it all. Something will hit. Yes. Well, we do have to let you go. <laughs> but um, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performing arts? Uh, I would say whatever you want to do in a creative and the performing arts space, you're in a long line. A lot of people want to do what you want to do. A lot of people want to be successful at what you want to do. Don't get out of line. Not meaning don't do anything that is going to offend other people. Stay the course. Don't give up. If you are persistent enough, the longer you win in line, the better you get at what you're doing. So don't look at it as a negative, because when you get to the front and that door opens, you're ready, and it's going to open. You'll get your chance, and you're going to get more than one chance. When you get that chance and it fails and you don't get hired or you didn't work out, keep pushing. Don't stop. If you stop, that's up to you. Don't, you're not going to quit. It's, it's no such thing. But if you really want to do it, you can do it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, can we talk about the foundation really quick? Absolutely. Okay, so it's Epilepsy Awareness Month right now. My oldest son has epilepsy, and he's an example of someone living well with seizures. Uh, he doesn't have them because his medication stops them, but there's uh, 
millions and millions and millions of people. So we need to know what to do. There's a campaign right now. I don't know, when is this going to air? I'll put it out tonight for them. Oh, so. terrific. So there's a campaign right now going on called hashtag my epilepsy hero. If you know anyone that has epilepsy, if you have epilepsy, if there's somebody that has helped you in your journey, a doctor, a family member, anybody, just send a post. It's all you got to do that says, my, you know, my, hashtag my epilepsy hero is so-and-so because they're so strong. Whatever it is. 500 posts, $10,000 goes to the Epilepsy Foundation. So please, and go to my Twitter page, at Greg Grunberg. You'll see that I'm sending these things out, but it helps, and, and it's a great cause. And it supports talkaboutit.org, which is my foundation. We do encourage all our listeners to go there. Thank you so much, Awesome. Greg. You guys are the greatest. Thank you so much. That was my chat with Greg Grunberg, and we do encourage all our listeners to take part in that very special charity campaign and help support Greg's organization, talkaboutit.org. Now onto our next interview with Harry Potter and Game of Thrones star Natalia Tina. Enjoy! Well, what inspired you to pursue a career in the arts? In the arts? In the arts. Um, I didn't really pick it. It kind of picked, uh, my, you know, it picks you. Um, when I was five, when I was four, I started begging my mum to play piano because I wanted to <clears throat> play in a rock and roll band like Jerry Lee Lewis. And after a year, she was like, okay, you really love... This isn't like a phase like, oh, I want to be a fireman one day. No, no, you actually like the piano. So I started lessons and then that was my musical side. And acting, I mean, I, just, I loved it, but it was a, I got into it by mistake. I, I always loved doing theatre at school. I went to an uh, artistic boarding school that I chose. Um, but I thought theatre was something that only people that like models did, like, you know, film. And then somehow I just got an in with About a Boy, and it's kind of s- carried on. And obviously you were involved in Harry Potter, which is probably one of the most iconic franchises of all time. Did that, <laughs> does that sort of change your life? In any way, it changes um, your your the doors that open for you as an actor a little bit because obviously, oh, it's that girl from this, so you 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 get to go up for better auditions or more interesting auditions, definitely. But um, but other than that, I'm quite a small character, so I don't in my real life no one no one recognises me, so it's quite good. You occasionally get like, um, do I know you from somewhere? But I never get that swamping thing that must be quite scary. I think maybe. And was the audition process for Harry Potter quite challenging or different to anything else you've auditioned for? No, they're all, it's all similar auditions. They're all, I mean, <clears throat> some auditions are different because, I don't know, they're, they're weird. But this one was a very basic audition, but I didn't do it very well at all the first time. It was awful. I didn't know, I hadn't read any of the books, so I didn't know who... I thought Voldemort was a country, so I was really not... I was really not... I, I did it really bad and I left and I was like, I rang my agent and I had to run back to go and do theatre in like, the north of England. I'd just come for this audition. And I was like, I did a really bad audition, it was awful. And she was like, Nat, you always say that. And I was like, no, this one was terrible. And she rang me about an hour later and she was like, you're right, it was terrible. It was terrible. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She was like, no, but don't worry. For some reason, the director, David, wants to see you again. And I was like, what? And it's like he had that instinct. I don't know that it, it had to be me, and he gave me one more chance, and I'd read, I read the book by then. <laughs> yeah! I spoke to David a couple of months ago, and he said that yours was the most memorable audition that ever That's seen. probably because I fell over. I think I think I, I think I, I mean, I literally ran in, because I was like, I've got to get back on the train to, I've got to go, on, I've got to do a play. Mm. So I cycled in, it was boiling. I kind of crashed into the room a bit, like, ah! And I was like, oh, I heard this character change his hair colour. Well, I've had every colour hair in the world. And I just, 
I just started rambling. It wasn't, it was not professional, but like that. It was, but it's just I didn't know what I was doing and I knew the lines, but without a backstory, you can get them very wrong. And obviously you have a band as well. Yeah. Does being, being in these shows, does that help you get an audience for your music? I'm hoping it will. Um, I, I, I definitely think here in Australia I've, and New Zealand actually, I've met a lot of people that have come up to me and say, like, oh my God, I, I found out about you know your band and now they really love it and they come in and they get CDs signed, which is awesome. But so far, I haven't been able to get the band over to Australia. That's my mission. I want to do a tour of Australia and New Zealand in like your, well, your Christmas time, which is the summer, you know, the summer period. Do some hopping. I think we could, but I think the only way to do that is to be the support band of another band that's well known here. Because obviously we, we, we're relative, you know, that people know of us in places in Europe, but here it's at. So I'd, I'd love to, I would love to support Hat Empire more than anything. Or Fat Freddy's Drop, who are amazing! So, you know, I'm, I can dream, right? Sure. <laughs> well, um, it's ne- nothing's too far away from reality, really. But uh, the other major series you're a part of was Game of Thrones. Um, and your character died earlier, yes, earlier this year, which uh, was quite a shocking thing. Mm-hmm. When you film a death scene, is it quite emotional for you as an actress? Uh, one of them was my first ever play that I did um, and I was the lead and um, at the end of it it's like she, she makes a decision that she values her friend, her freedom so much everyone's chasing and she realises the only way to get freedom is to kill herself so I, t- I had to fall from a height and trust that all the actors would run at that point and catch me and that was scary because not just the technicality of like I might die tonight um, and obviously I never did because I trusted them but it was still scary but it was a different feeling. It's like, you have to get to yourself to the emotional state is that I want to kill myself. Like, this is a better choice. You know, it's a bit weird. Um, I think with the Game of Thrones one, it was so scary technically, literally terrifying. There was a prosthetic. And if I screwed it up, it would have taken, they'd have to take it off and do another one for two hours. So I had three goes only with the blood. And that really scared me. It's like, oh my god, I, if I waste anyone's time, this is awful. So that was quite scary for me. Well, we do have to let you go. But oh. finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? <laughs> 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 okay, one advice. Okay, <clears throat> one uh, have another obsession. So I, I've got a band, but I know loads of actors that you know. I've got one actor that I know that keeps bees. Another that's a journalist. Loads of stuff. Have something else that you know that can be a plan B and especially as a woman actress because obviously it's still a sexist world have a plan A, B, C, D, the whole alphabet um, and when you are an actor and you get into a union, get a pension plan <laughs> seriously it is <laughs> I sound like someone's granny but it is worth it well thank you so much for your time today and I hope you enjoy Australia thank you, I will that was my chat with Natalia, Tina now, on to the final interview of our very special episode today, and that's with Enver Jokai, who is best known for his performances in Dollhouse and Agent Carter. We discuss all his work and more. Here's that interview. Enjoy! Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Now, what inspired you to become an actor? Uh, hmm. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I could say that I was really uh, inspired to become an actor. I liked acting. I liked it in high school and I liked it in school and it was something I enjoyed doing. I, it never really occurred to me that it was something that I would do for a living. Um, and it also wasn't, I can't say I kind of got the bug in that way where I felt like I had to. 
Uh, but I was doing it often enough, and then I got into some schools when I applied uh, out of undergraduate. And, and I thought, what the heck? I got a scholarship, and I thought, hey, maybe maybe this will happen. So I, I was really blessed. It, it, things just kind of unfolded for me, and um, it seemed like it was the right path. Um, I, only much later in life did I did I come to regret that decision. <laughs> well, you did join one of the biggest franchises of all time with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yes. Agent Carter. What's it like working on a show where there's such a high amount of pressure from all accounts to deliver? Uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to a point in my life where you start to um, trust the people who are hiring. Um, it's easy to spend a lot of time early on in your career. Oh, I wish I'd gotten this, or I should have gotten this, or why didn't they do this? And uh, you just start to trust. If you get hired, a lot of people who know a lot of things have to sign off on you, and, and their, their bacon is on the line as well. So you start to trust that maybe they know what they're talking about, um, and maybe they've made, the, they've made the right decision. So even when you inevitably start to question yourself, which is all the time every day, uh, I start to think, well, hopefully they know what they're doing, even if I don't know what I'm doing. And were there any moments on the Agent Carter set that are particularly memorable to you that you can share with the fans? Oh, God, it was like recess. Uh, it was like, you know, primary school recess on that show all the time. It, and for that reason, it becomes really hard to pick out one moment. Anytime Dominic Cooper was shooting with us, though, was memorable. Right? Anytime, because... Dom and Haley and James all know each other going way back. So they already had a dynamic that they've been establishing for years personally, and now they're all working together, so it was wild. So. And there was a big campaign after the show got to bring it back. Now that Haley Atwell is no longer on Conviction, which has been... What? Changed. Conviction was cancelled about what? four years ago. What? Yeah. Ooh. Um, Sorry, Haley. Is this thing on? That's yeah. <laughs> um, Would you be open to returning if someone like Netflix or even ABC picked it up again? Oh, man. Absolutely is the answer to that question. I loved working with everybody involved. Um, you know, but I, I, I think you just, things unfold the way they're going to unfold. I hope I work with Haley again. I hope I work with the writers again. I hope I work uh, with the producers again. The question is, will it be on Agent Carter? I mean, that would be too much of a, of a fantasy, you know? Um, but hey, if it happened, I would be the first to sign up, absolutely. Well, that's great. You also work with Joss Whedon, uh, yeah. iconically. What's it like working with uh, such a notable director? I got to, I, I was privileged enough to work with, not just to work with him, but to work with him when he'd already produced a bunch of shows. So he already had a really awesome team you know, the people you see in front of the cameras are only the people um, that show up on film, but there's so many other people that make a difference in what it's like to work on set. And so all the people that he had involved were really cool team players at that point in his career. And, and from what I've heard even earlier, um, but he, uh, he, had, he had his great team and I got to just walk into that. And he already, he also had a, a no drama Obama policy. You know, it was a, a no drama set. Nobody was dramatic. It wasn't really, uh, nobody really attempted or got away with any of that behavior. Um, 
So in every respect, it was a dream. Unfortunately, I came to expect that as what happens on every job because it was my first job, and I was sorely disappointed to find that that is not necessarily the case. Uh, you walk onto a Joss project, it's everybody's cool. So, what's one of the most memorable experiences you've had in your entire career? Um. Wow. Um. I think, honestly, shooting the Avengers was memorable in that it was the largest production I've ever seen. I mean, the, the production itself, all the extras, wardrobe, you know... Uh, the scale. Vid- the village, everything was a small army. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of people behind the scenes, not even counting the actors. And then when they started blowing up, all those cars, which is not special effects, which is absolutely real. I mean, it was absolutely, the scale of it was huge. The stunts, I watched the stunt where Captain America gets kicked out of glass from the top of a two-story building onto the top of a car. Again, a real stunt. The guy is getting up and looking at the, I'm watching the stuntman, he's watching the replay, and they're dabbing this fake blood. And then I realized it's not fake blood, that the guy, the, the, the stuntman's bleeding out of his ear. Um, and I just, I, and he was such a stud. I mean, like, I mean, really, the stuntman who, who was, was Chris Evans' stuntman was like, it makes you feel like such an inadequate man. I mean, he was really physically imposing and and just sitting there bleeding, watching, like, totally unaware of it. And having somebody dab his blood away. And just watching the take, making sure that he was happy with it. And it was so... And the stars were so big. And Chris Evans and all those people. Everything about it was huge. Uh, so that was fun. It was fun. You know, and you, you're working on it almost like a fan. And, I mean, the only thing that's just blazing through the back of your eyeballs and in your mind is don't mess you know and, and we're here today at Supernova Convention in Adelaide what do you love about meeting the fans? I mean you, that you get to meet fans I, in theatre you get to get feedback from what you're doing immediately you get applause or you get silence or you get you know um, you forget and it's been so many years since I've done theatre but as an actor doing uh, film and television, you're often on to the next job or even the next second or the second job before that that other the job that you did comes out. You're always two or three jobs ahead of that, what's actually being released. So a lot of times it's easy just to get into a a groove of just looking for the next job, next job, next job. Especially when you're not a regular on a show. You don't have the luxury of waiting around and, and analyzing, was that good or did this go well? You are in a full panic. The second each job finishes, you don't know what your next job's gonna come or what's gonna happen. So you come to a convention and people talk about shows that you did five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago. And I, I personally am blown away that, that people are still watching it and that they still remember it. I'm shocked that people remember Dollhouse. Uh, 
and and really humbled that that your work um, still resonates after all these years, and that if anybody cares at all. Uh, and then playing a character like Daniel Souza, it wasn't until I went to conventions that I realized how important it was for people in the disabled community. Uh, that was deeply moving for me, and I get letters all the time from people who, uh, just by simple fact that he's just a normal guy who gets to kiss the girl, and he and he's living with a disability. And it's not a, they don't make a huge deal about it on the show, and for that reason, it's kind of a big deal. Um, that was moving, really hugely moving for me. Certainly would be. Well, we do have to let you go. But finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performing industry? Um, I, I encourage anybody and everybody to act. I think it's fantastic for everybody of all walks of life. I think there's a difference between being a gardener and being a farmer. Once you start doing something for a living, it becomes a job. And it's not a bad job, but I also don't want... I think sometimes people think that they have to be a professional actor in order to act. And that I really would love to just be putting out there that there's a, there's a beautiful middle ground where you can act and be involved and do stuff with your friends and do local theater. And, uh, and it, just because you don't become a professional actor doesn't mean you're not as good or you're not... It, 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 I know the most brilliant actors I know are are not famous and are, are struggling. Um, and some of whom stopped trying to be an actor because they just couldn't make it. It has nothing to do with how good you are. It just has to do with the needs of the industry and, and that just that's just about commerce. Well, thank you so much for your time today and all the best. Thank you. Well, that's it. That's all five of our very special interviews with some of the major stars at Supernova Convention. Thanks once again to the team at Supernova for facilitating those for us. Well, as I said, this is the first of three very special episodes to celebrate the 50th episode of Talk To Me. Uh, all three special will be very different and released over the coming few months. But we will have a couple more regular episodes out in December, so look out for those too. Now, just a reminder, to get on board with Greg's campaign uh, to help raise awareness and money for epilepsy, so use the hashtag MyEpilepsyHero, and please take part in that and help Greg raise uh, some money for a very, very well, uh, well-worthy cause. Well, I've been your host, Benjamin Mamakay. Thanks to the podcast supporters, Palace Nova Cinemas, Mad Zombie Collectibles, and Via Vision Entertainment. I'll be back with some more episodes and some more specials in the coming months. See you next time.